This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, open the floor. If anybody wants to share anything over here. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. How can one make themselves feel like princes and princesses when they're not living royalty? When they're not living royalty? We are living royalty. Why are we not living royalty? Oh, they're not living up to that royal standard, you're saying? Okay, well, I'm saying we are we are royalty, right? right? This is who we are, right? We come from royalty. The bottom line is, is a person has to internalize this feeling. I, I, I must have said this before, that we talk about the idea of Kimchas, right? That she, even the walls of her house, didn't see her hair uncovered. And there was Harbei Asukin. Many people did what she did, but they, they didn't really do it. The, the feeling of feeling like you're part of royalty, that your things that you do are real, it, it's an Avaida. It's an Avaida. Read any book of Gedalim, of like people who like really radiated Kedusha. Before they daven, Hasidim Arishayim, the Gemara says, it would take them an hour before they daven, they would prepare their, themselves for tefillah. And then an hour afterwards, they had to come down from this lofty space that they were in. They daven three times a day. Okay? So nine hours a day, just on tefillah. That was the Hasidim Harishainim. I'm not talking about the Baal Shem Tov, who obviously was on this level. I'm talking about the Gemara's Hasidim Harishainim. Going all the way back, right? It meant that they filled themselves up with a certain feeling. It wasn't a feeling of, of oh, I don't want to do this. I need to delete this app on my phone. It was a feeling of real Kervas Aleichem. It was a feeling of, this tefillah is moving mountains. This tefillah is saving a kidnapped person in Gaza. That feeling is real. How many people thought that when you daven your last Shemunazri? Most of us don't. We just like, okay, I got a daven, so I'll daven. Like the, like the, like the, the, the year of Shemayim, for most people on that lower level, like, oh, Hashem is going to ask me why I didn't daven. Okay, I'll daven. You know what I mean? Yeras HaRaimimus is like, what an opportunity here, right? I get to get up in the morning and go through all the Berchus HaShachar and talk about people who I don't even know, but they're my brothers and sisters, and I could free them right here, right now with this tefillah. That feeling has to like come before your davening. And then your davening is just explosive. That's how the G'daylin daven. There was a feeling, a real feeling, like I could give this person a child. I could move these mountains. I could free this person. I could heal this person. Not me, Hashem, through my tefillah. It's a real tefillah. It's a real conversation. There's these levels of consciousness which I think most people don't ever really fully tap into. We either are like awake or we're asleep and we're dreaming. There's a big gap between being awake and like fully aware and then like tapping into levels of consciousness and subconsciousness that I think most people don't even scratch the surface on their abilities, what they're able to do. And if you want to know how to do it, I'm not the world's expert on meditation or chasidas, but I think the simple thing is take anything, any tefillah, any bracha, any parak of tehillim, something that you want to say, you want to do, it could be an action that you want to do. And just just put the gunpowder behind what you're doing. Like put your feeling behind what you're doing and then light it and then send it off. Don't just rattle it off. If it doesn't have that that strength, right? Like Yaakovina talks about how it's like a 
It's like an arrow. Like the more you pull it, the further it goes. That's a reality. What does that mean in reality? It doesn't mean you close your eyes tight. It means you connect tight. The, the, re, the reality of that connection is there. So if somebody doesn't feel it, think that's the natural default. Think that's like the test of our generation is that many people go through the motions but don't feel it. And then unfortunately, many people just stop going through those motions because what's the point of the motions if it doesn't do anything? Yeah, that's the problem. If you if you put the emotion behind the motion, then it bonds. It becomes something that's actually worthwhile. And again, I think this goes with Shabbos. I think this goes with everything. I was in a shul with a friend of mine, and they asked him to daven Kabbalah Shabbos. This guy was dancing. I kid you not. He was he was dancing forward. You probably know who he is. He was dancing forward. He was dan- he was literally dancing across the shul. People were like staring at him. I was like. This guy is welcoming the Shabbos queen into this base medrash as if it's it's a queen coming with an entourage. And everyone's just like, what is this guy doing? And I was like, he's got, I don't know, I don't. I never saw this before. He is davening Kabbalah Shabbos in the most real way that I saw somebody daven Kabbalah Shabbos. He's davening because this is how he davens. This It's a reality. I'm welcoming Shabbos into my life. Even, even, even in the days of the Gemara, when they used to daven, they used to go out into the field, right? And they would turn around. All these motions that they did, they weren't just motions, right? When you daven Kabbalah Shabbos, they turn around, right? You like welcome her in, right? These are real, like you don't just go through the motions. It's a real thing. Like Shabbos, welcome in, come into my house, right? Shalom Aleichem, right? Talking to them. Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Yashares. Thank you for coming home with me, right? Thank you for everything you did for me during the week. It's real. It's like, it's real. But for many people, it's not so real. It's just, I'm starving. Okay, get out of my house. Like, let's go. I got I to gotta eat, right? We go through the motions because we just got to get through it. It, it. It's a pause and it's it's a reality. I would also just simply say, I think there's two parts of this. If I could just elaborate for one more second. I think there's taking the things that you're currently doing and putting emotion into it, a feeling into it. I would also suggest doing something that is very different from you, from what you usually do. Like add something, do anything. It could be the smallest thing. Add something to your day that you're not used to doing. Because whenever something's in, like new to you, 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 you spend the time on it. You know what I mean? Like if you say the same capital to Hillam like 20 years, you rattle through it, right? Somebody also says to you, okay, now read this out loud, like a capital you never read. And you're like, uh, okay, <clears throat> right? There's a lot of kavana there. Like you're slowly going through it because it's, it's something that's new. Do something different, something new. And again, it could be an action. It could be, it could be anything. But putting something new in Yiddishkeit into your life, I think also gives you that awareness that like you're adding something. So I think this question resonates with a lot of people. Um, after being stuck in the Yerushalayim mindset for so long, how can you change your mindset to focus on Yerushalayim? Yeah, I, I, I really feel that in so many communities, schools, homes, I think that this is the whole chinuch comes down to this idea, comes down to the idea of like Yeras Hashem is just Yeras Hachit. It's just like you're gonna go to Gehenim. Okay, relax. Like, where's the, where's the relationship with your creator? Where is that? It, it almost doesn't make it into the lexicon. 
We don't even talk about that. It's like Sneas is if you don't do this, you're going to burn. Burn, like slow down. Like, can we talk about the beauty of Sneas? If you do this, something bad is going to happen to you. Okay, relax. Let's talk about beauty. I, one of, I'll say it. It's embarrassing, but I'll say it. My first public speech that I ever had to give. So I took a, a training course and in Eretz Yisrael by Rabbi Sabrukla. And they put us together with a bunch of our friends. And you had to give like a public speech to prepare. And they gave you a whole bunch of tools and you're supposed to give a speech. Now, I was coming from more yeshivish yeshiva, I'll call it. And a lot of the guys there were either Bali Chuva or in the cure of world or professional Makarvim, like guys who like really knew what they were doing. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. So they said, would you like to go first? I was like, yeah, I mean, like truth is I never spoke in public, but I'll, I'll give this a shot. So I prepared a speech and I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to you about Shabbos. And the idea is, is that the audience is a secular group of college age students okay that's like your target audience so i'm like okay no paper right let's follow the rules right stand up straight right okay so it's like visual the vocal right well going through like all my things in my checklist in my brain i'm like okay guys shabbos is so important that if if you do something wrong you're high of skila <laughs> so important <laughs> like one of the guys stood up He's a famous speaker today. He's like, stop, stop. He's like, stop, please just stop. This is, stop. He's like, I'm going to sit with you privately. This this speech is not, not going to continue. And he sat down with me and he's like, you're coming from a place where that's Yiddishkeit. That's how you understand Yiddishkeit. It has to change, has to, has to adapt. Chayaskila means that you are liable to be stoned. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he was explaining to me that you, you, you need to change your mindset. Shabbos is beautiful. Shabbos is amazing. Shabbos is connection. Shabbos is you're sitting, you and your family, you and Hashem, you put aside all the things of creating. All of a sudden you're able to just be, he like, I was like, I never heard of Shabbos like this. This is an amazing idea. I never heard of Shabbos. I went through the yeshiva system. Never heard of it like that. It was always like, you got to do this. You don't, you don't, you got to do that. I'm saying this is what it is, right? Don't touch that. Like, which is true. Obviously you've got to keep halacha. Halacha is halacha. But our relationship with mitzvahs is that it's beautiful. It's opportunities. Hashem says to you, I have like 613 ways for you to connect to me. The guy they have seven things they shouldn't do. So they don't destroy the fabric of the world. You, the Amma Nifchar, you're chosen to be close to me. What is chus? That has to be the feeling that we walk around with every single day. Every single day. Every mitzvah we do. It's not like I have to. We have to stop saying those words. I have to. I have to. I want to. I have an obligation because I wouldn't think about this on my own. So Hashem says, yeah, you should do this. But I have to. I want to. Wow, I want to have a mincha now. That's what we should be talking. Like, our, our words, our words, you're right. I think that a lot of how a lot of people grow up is with that idea. And I suggest an upgrade. I think that it's, it's, it's not a simple upgrade. It's, it's a change. Just think about the fact that this is beautiful and you are lucky 
<laughs> you are lucky to be born a Jew. You are lucky to connect to Hashem. You are lucky to have mitzvahs. Start with the people around you. Even in a relationship, if a husband or a wife says, oh, I have to, about the other person, it's the worst feeling in the world. Oh, I have to talk to you now. I don't want to talk to you now. It's the worst feeling. You have to talk to me? Yeah, my husband Rebbe told me I have to talk to you. It's the worst feeling. Get away from me. talk to you. Right? I would love to talk to you. What is chus to talk to you? Can we go for a walk, please? That's what you want to hear. That's a relationship. Hillel told the guy, right, when he came to him, he said, I want to be Megayar, teach me everything on one foot. And he said to him, It's a relationship. Think about Yiddishkeit as a relationship. This is not 2023 Kiruv, cool rabbi thing. This is Gemara. This is Hillel, right? We didn't make up this like hip new language for like, oh, Shabbos, it's really bad, but like we're going to teach you how to teach it in a cool way. This is Hillel. Everything else, Hillel says, everything else is just Pirushim. It just explains to you how to have that relationship. But many of us grow up in today's day where it's not like that. The relationship is the last thing that's taught. It's like, that's for the modern people. Us from people know this is what you have to know. Gehenim. Gehenim. We tell you what it's like, how hot the fire is. Okay. Yes, we could also have a share about that. But that's not the first thing in anything, in Tznias, in Lashon Hara, in anything that, that happens. It's Kirvas Kim. These are not my words. I didn't make up these words. Not like words that are made up like a, a song. A song comes from all of the Sifri Musr that we learn, the beauty of Yiddishkeit. You're right. I think that people oftentimes lose focus on a lot of these things. And it's it's so it's so 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 bad. It's like a shame that like our our entire nucleus of our chenuch is reduced to the two percent of what it means to have real Yerushalayim to really live with the beauty of you and Hashem existing in the same in the same world. You exist within Hashem. I mean, the whole concept. We're not going to get into the depths of what this idea means, but just on a practical level, that your mitzvahs have real meaning. That is the beauty of Yiddishkeit. We have to live that. We have to feel that. And yeah, if somebody grew up like that, they're probably part of the majority, I would argue, in Klai Yisrael. No? Am I wrong? We don't have to say what school we went to. But I'm just saying, like, right? I, I, I think that a lot of people grew up that way. So, okay, fine. There is that part of things, for sure. And then there's the relationship part, right? There's a relationship. Where is the relationship? Where's the relationship with our clothes? Where's the relationship with our tefillah? Where's the relationship with all those things? Where's the relationship with, with, with Shul, with, with davening in Shul, with talking in Shul? Where's that relationship? It's, it, somebody has to tell you if, you, if you talk in Shul, your Shul could be destroyed because of, that's, that's the 2%. The 90%, the 98% is, what are you talking about? You're in the base medrash. You have a schus to be here and daven, talk to Hashem. This is his house, right? It's not like your, your Shul could be destroyed and this is what happened during the Holocaust and those schmuzen are like the fire and brimstone schmuzen, which again, it's true. It's the year, it's the year's hachet. But the year's haraimimus, the 98% of the beauty of Ka Yisrael, the beauty of mitzvahs, the beauty of a base, base medrash. I think it's so simple. It's so sad that it has to be like taught and it's like the chiddish. That's the essence. That's the preservative. Maybe the idea is that we're teaching so much of the 
basic cookbook, but we're leaving out the preservatives. Maybe the preservatives don't always make it to the ingredients. In many ways, this is like the, this is the key. Your kids will not talk in shul, not because you yelled at them and scared the daylights out of them. Your kids won't dress tzniyas because you yelled at them, scared the daylights out of them, and told them a whole bunch of things about how hot the fires of Gehenim are. That's not the reason your kid is going to grow up with a healthy relationship with davening, with shuls, with rabbanim, with, with tzniyas, with lashon hara. That's not going to have the kiyom. The thing that preserves it in your family is the beauty. I'm so lucky to have this, this opportunity. That's why Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim and he's surrounded by all these Nisyanists and he's like, no big deal. It was a struggle, the biggest struggle. He was like, I got this. They know who I am. I'm part of the shift they call. What are you talking about? You, you can't even get close to this guy. Get away from me. That, that, was, that was his mentality. It wasn't like, if I do this, I'm going to go to Gehenim. I'm in Gehenim. You know what I'm saying? I went to Gehenim. I was in prison all these years. I was sold, sold by my brothers. He had a million reasons to justify it. Those, those reasons you don't justify when you know who you are, when you know the relationship that you have with who you are. It's real, something real. What? I feel like fear, like teaching people fear, teaching our kids fear and students fear is out of fear. What's that, the fear? That they won't do it, meaning they won't. No meaning. I, I think I understand what you're saying. You're, you're saying I'm fear through fear, like you're afraid that that your kids are not going to keep something. So I, I want to okay. Can I, can I share something? I I I think this is so deep, but it's it's so simple. Okay, and and please hear me out for a second. Okay, remember this for when you get married. Okay, the idea is like this. Oftentimes in life, you want something from I'll call it your spouse. Okay, and you're not getting it. So the classic default, because I'll call it the childish way about it, is you nag, you threaten, you you plead, you get into a bad mood. Your whole demeanor just goes downhill. What are the chances that somebody's going to give you what you want in that state? Almost zero, right? Even with children, you see that when they do that. Parents go, okay, now, even if I was going to give it to you, I'm not giving it to you, right? Because then I'm giving in. Like, I'm giving it to somebody who behaves like that? No, it's not happening, right? What's more counterintuitive is that you put your need to the side for a second, you get closer to the person, and then in a smart voice, you say to them, hey, and I'm not teaching you how to manipulate, right? I'm just teaching you a skill. You say, hey, how about if we have a conversation about this, okay? And usually, if there's a real closeness, the person will take you a lot more seriously than if there's a distance. It's counterintuitive, but it's the only way that's productive. In Yiddishkeit, it's, I don't think it's much different. Is that what's, what may be intuitive to some people about preserving Yiddishkeit is for many people counterintuitive, like it's counterproductive. How many people, like I've heard over the years, um, different types of abuse, right? Physical abuse, whatever. Religious abuse. I never even knew this was such a thing. Religious abuse. Where it's like stuffed down their throats and threatened, and that they're like, this is abusive. Why in the world would somebody think that there's religious abuse? Like that term, those two words going together, the first time I heard it, I thought the person like misspoke. 
I was like, you're telling me you're religious and also that you were abused. They're like, no, no, I'm a victim of religious abuse. I thought they were kidding. I heard this like a thousand times since then. I was like, what, what, how does that make sense? How does, how does that make sense? How does that preserve somebody keeping something when they're walking around, they're shaking all day? That their concept of Hashem is he's just st- standing there with like a lightning bolt, just, just watching you. I hope you mess up. Hope you mess up. That's it. It's over, right? Ready to just kill everybody out, ready to destroy you. Sickness, illness, death, destruction, poverty. What? That's our concept of Hashem? That just doesn't even compute. Doesn't make any sense. The other way is it's beauty. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. You're saying we should teach both sides of things. Yes. Halacha is halacha. But beauty is beauty. Why do we have to teach that it's not beautiful? It is beautiful. Is is hate destructive? Yes, it's destructive. This week's Parsha, right? The whole world filled up with hate. And Hashem said, right? I have charata that I created the world. The world is being destroyed. I'm not punishing the world. This is what it means when the world self-destructs. This is what happens. Unfortunately, right? It just, this is not why the world was created. So there is a concept that when people destroy things, it breaks. There's a concept. Somebody lights a fire and throws it into a house. A house burns down, right? And we have to internalize that mitzvahs and averis are real. And when we do them in a beautiful way, then the world has a kiyam. It's a shmira. It's a shmira. Shabbos is a shmira, right? Tzitzis is a shmira. And when there's not that and there's bad things in the world, the world is makoko. The world breaks down and bad things happen in the world. That's not a vengeful God that is up there trying to just punish everybody. That sounds like a psychopath. I don't believe in that God. I'm sorry. I'm a total atheist. It, it just does that, that God doesn't exist. There's no such thing. The concept in the world, yes, that, that, that things are makoko, that things break down. Viharaya, by the way, look, learn through all the shayftim, all the malachim, all the generations, we're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of years of Kali Yisrael, all through the first base Amikdash, the second base Amikdash, every time Kali Yisrael was good, there was achdas, there was mitzvahs, everything was good. Every time they were bad, they did Averis and things, all of a sudden, things just started being makoko, right? They broke down their spiritual walls of their homes. All of a sudden, they broke through the physical walls of Yushalayim of the Beis Hamikdash. You, you see, it's literally Zulu Umazu. This Against this, the spirituality was the Shmirah, the spirituality falling was was the Makoko, was the thing that broke down. Yeah, we should teach that. That's I think that's beautiful. It's beautiful. It means your actions have have consequences. Your actions keep the world going. Your tefillah keeps the world going round. The things you see, the things you do, the things you say, that keeps the world going round. That is unbelievably powerful to a child. When you turn to a child and you just teach them about the destruction and why, why, where? I, I would even argue, like, where does that even come from? Like, a lot of these these concepts are so, they're, they're I would argue, they're mistaught. Again, I'm not the world's greatest machanach. I'm not, I've never, you know, whatever. I, have, I didn't write like, the curriculum for school. But I would just simply say, like, school should teach the beauty of what it means, right? Or Yaakov Bender, you see him in front of, every single year, the first day, and he gives each kid a kiss on the head, and he's like, ah, welcome to yeshiva. That should be a kid's thing. I'm, I'm beloved in my school. 
They know exactly who I am. They know my name. They care about me. That That's beautiful. How's it going? How are you feeling? Like a Rebbe should know his Tamidim, right? Again, we're, we have amazing rebellion. We have amazing morals. We're not putting anybody down. We do. We have amazing people. At the same time, the underpinnings of how some people teach certain things, some, Yechidim, teach certain things, I think need to just be like, it's very nice. They're teaching the 2%. And they could teach that last 2% at the end. But first, teach the first 98%. I think that that beauty is, is this guy is beautiful. And it has to be conveyed, it has to be taught. Not just by teachers, but also by by parents and even by ourselves. We said Chinuch is about teaching ourselves. Teaching ourselves that Yiddishkeit is beautiful. Has to be real in our lives. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.